This is Comics Catch Up. Where we read comics suggested by you, the listeners of War Rocket Ajax, that we have missed. Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes, I love to write, I love to write on paper, I love to write in notebooks. Matt, what'd you give me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, and I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better, as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like, and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with. But getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a Paperlike on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Hello, everybody. This is Comics Catch-Up, the show where Chris Sims, who's right there. Hello. 
and myself, Matt Wilson, we read comics that we did not read when they came out. And we catch up on them, and we rank them on our big list of every story ever. I said this exact same thing during the music you heard at the top of the show. But now you're saying it from still the past, but slightly more recent. Post-COVID. I'm saying it post-COVID. That was a pre-COVID, Matt, that you heard before. Yeah. And, I've and been forever changed. Yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't seem like such a novel virus after all, if you ask me. Old hat to me. Yeah. Anyway. Gotta watch out for that old hat coronavirus, though. Oh, you ain't kidding. This time around on Comics Catch-Up, we're doing something you might consider novel, even though I think we've done this before. I think we did it with the Al Ewing Guardians of the Galaxy, where the comic we catch up on is ongoing. It is the current series. Yeah, here's, here's my whole thing with this. I, I I don't regret reading these comics. They were very good, and I'm glad we did. And uh, I'm hoping to uh, make some time in my schedule of reading comics that I don't like uh, to continue reading issues of this, a comic that Just, I liked quite a bit. What How we read I- was, by the way, the 2021 Moon Knight series, written yeah. by Jed McKay, with art by various artists, but mostly Alessandro Capuccio. I don't think this qualifies for catch-up status. This is still in the the recent enough realm that we could actually catch up on it. Like, just, you know, give it a read one day. <laughs> now, yeah. would we have done so without the prompting? No, I did not even know that there was a Jed McKay uh, Moon Knight series coming out. So I probably would have missed it. However, I could have. Here's the big thing for me, Chris, and I think it's fine to go ahead and get this out of the way up top because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need it to be a surprise. I don't need it to. I don't need to build suspense. We, I think we already got their money, brother. That's that's right. You and me, just like Kevin Nash in the '90s. Our listeners, I believe, the people who voted for this series on the Comics Catch Up poll, which we did at the start of the month. And the people who suggested this were clearly very excited to ask us to read a Jed McKay written comic because we like the guy. We think he's a good writer. We've liked all the other work of his that we've read. He's uh, a fave. Yeah, the the death of Doctor Strange is where I first became familiar with him. Uh, the current Strange series that he's writing with Clea. Kicks ass. We caught up on his Black Cat series, which was very fun. Here's the thing, though. This comic is ongoing. It is the current series. And I don't believe that the first 12 issues that we were asked to read constitute a complete story. Issue number 13 of Moon Knight 2021 came out this very month, July 2022. And I can tell you straight up, that it continues the story from the first 12 issues. I think if we were to rank Moon Knight 2021, 1 through 12, on the Every Story Ever list, we would be doing the book a disservice. And when we get into the talking about the issues that we read, I will, and we, especially when we talk about number 12, I will make it clear why I don't think number 12 is the end of the story. 
I would be willing to bet the entirety of this Moon Knight series, because Marvel books don't last more than 25 issues nowadays, typically. Some of them don't even last more than 10. That's totally normal, and no one should be ashamed if they have a Marvel book that gets canceled after number 10. I wholeheartedly agree. It's just the nature of the industry. In fact, you can be pretty proud of 14 issues, including a miniseries. I think so. I think that's definitely... 100% the case. And so what if the cool young people who came on the show didn't like your Darkhawk book? That's fine. (laughs) That is a poll. That is a poll from an old episode that uh, people can go hear. One of my favorites. I I think that this Moon Knight series is going to go 18 issues or 25 or something like that, and that's going to be the complete story. Not these 12. Okay. I think the gun was jumped. Here's here's my thing, Matt. Like we won't know till it's over whether that is a that it's the correct assumption or not. Yeah. I I suspect there is I I don't think you're wrong. But I also don't think you're right. <laughs> okay. But here's the here, well, here's here's the thing. We don't know. We don't know. But this is the risk of catching up on a series that is ongoing. Yeah, you got to give us something from the 80s that we won't like. (laughs) Got to give us one of your favorite comics from 30 years ago that we will read with fresh eyes here in the 21st century and be like, this sucks. Here's the thing, though, Matt. We were assigned Moon Knight numbers 1 through 12, a reasonable number of comics. I read number 13, as you did. However, I read number 13 first because I'm dumb. (laughs) Because I like I I I accidentally hit like most recent instead of uh the the first issue. Now here's here's the thing. I read that whole issue and only realized after like like when I had gotten to the end and it said like oh next in number 14 that it wasn't the first issue of a series. I thought it was the first issue of a series that was just picking up on a bunch of stuff that happened in a previous Moon Knight book that I didn't read, because there have been a few. So I would suggest that 1 through 12 do in fact constitute a story, because number 13, like a the major villain behind everything, is is caught is apprehended at the end of number 12, and number 13 introduces a new villain. It carries over plot threads. Like, it, it definitely carries over, you know, it, it immediately follows the, the same characters, uh, the same, you know, story arcs that are going on. They talk about what has immediately just happened, and they're dealing with the fallout from that. But I feel like that, in the way that, like, Amazing Spider-Man 128 is a different story from amazing Spider-Man 127. Certainly threads of comic book stories are going to carry over into following stories. That's the serialized nature of comics, right? But I feel pretty strongly and maybe I will be proven wrong, but I feel pretty strongly that we will come to find that when this series ends that issue 12 was not in fact the end of the zodiac story 
even though he is apprehended at the end of that issue. And uh, there is more of the Zodiac story to come. And I think that is, it is, is borne out by the threads that continue in number 13. And I think, again, we will probably come to find that the enti- this entire Moon Knight series is what we will consider the quote-unquote story. I, I wish we could ask. And, and I, I will also say this. The conceit of the Every Story Ever list is that we will rank every comic book story. However, we rank them all together as a convenience. Because if, even if these are separate stories, they would likely end up at the same place. Like, we rank Starman 1 through 80, plus annuals, plus Batman, Hellboy, Starman, etc., as the Shade miniseries, plus the Blackest Night tie-in. We rank all of that as one story, because it is a single story from start to finish, but also because it's all pretty good. It's all, it's all the same level of good. Yeah, I think there are two defining factors there, right? Is the series as a whole one complete story? which I think is true of Starman, it's true of Preacher, it's true of Why the Last Man, it's true of a lot of the books we have done that with. And yes, it is also an indication of consistent quality. Yeah, We could probably do it with Usagi Ujimbo. We, we could. I think we could. And it would be at number one. <laughs> the difference is... Usagi Ujimbo is anth- anthology style storytelling. There are it, distinct stories for sure. There are very clear, distinct stories in Usagi Ujimbo. Whereas I, I think it is I, definitely the trend of Marvel Comics lately to make it's almost like television is currently like the serialized nature of television right yeah where i think it would be hard to rank if we were doing every tv story ever i think it would be hard to rank even individual seasons of a lot of tv shows Mm -hmm. certainly individual episodes but in a lot of cases even individual seasons of tv shows because ultimately that entire series over the course of five, six years, or five, six seasons, tells one complete story. Mm-hmm. I think that's also the case with a lot of comics now, where that Guardians of the Galaxy run, that Al Ewing Guardians of the Galaxy run, is basically one story. That Black Cat, that Jed McKay Black Cat run, is basically one story, across two volumes. Yeah. You know, we we talked last week, like, oh, there's a new Daredevil number one out. Same creative team as the last Daredevil number one. Yeah. And, and a pretty, pretty clear continuation of the previous chip, Daredevil. Yeah. But it's it's more like a season of television now. And part of that is is because of the nature of kind of the war against reader attrition that comics fight. Uh 
you know, we, we've already talked about comics ending at number 12, uh, as they are want to do. Yeah. Part of it is just like a, a changing narrative structure. And I'm not sure that our apparatus is equipped to deal with that. And by apparatus, I mean you and me. In the context of the other stories that we have on the Every Story Ever list, if we don't just treat them all as a single story. Yeah, that's understandable. I, I do think the nature of it has changed to the point where, with more recent comics, with the advent of volume-based comic storytelling, rather than arc-based comic, comic storytelling, or even single-issue-based comic storytelling, that we're going to be ranking volumes of comics, or even multiple volumes of comics, as single stories, rather than, alright, this is the one where Spider-Man got four extra arms, and at the end, you know, the new villain shows up, and it leads into that in the next issue. Because that's not what comics do anymore. Yeah. There is a part of me, Matt Wilson, that wishes we only ranked single issues. (laughs) So that we could be like, yeah, listen, uh, Watchmen number five, great. Watchmen number 12, great. Watchmen number eight, who cares? Watchmen number eight is, is spinning its wheels a little bit. Yeah. You know, be yelling at me, being like, "Watchmen number eight, the one with the prison riot, or whatever." It's it is this. The list would be so much longer if we did that. Yeah, I mean, it is a pretty unwieldy thing right now. Yeah. So it is my contention that at the end of this episode of catch up, we're not going to rank. We may conclude that one through twelve is in fact the story, and then after that, we'll be like, okay we will rank one through 12 now, but I think not knowing if we were to rank one through 12, that would be possibly mistaken. And we don't want to accidentally chip away the wrong piece of Marvel. Yeah. We want to reveal the, the full list as it exists outside of space and time. Yes. We want to reveal our version of David, which is what we've been chipping away at the whole time. Yeah. Which one's the ding dang? Which story? Yeah, if if every story ever is the dude, which one's the ding dang, Matt? It is Planet Hulk. Eh? <laughs> you know, fair. Actually, no, it's probably not Planet Hulk. It's it's something that's just below the middle. I meant I see you're you're thinking geographically. I'm thinking <laughs> spiritually. <laughs> oh well, spiritually it's probably Amwat, One Man War on Terror. Yeah, that actually, yeah. Wolf. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Moon Knight. Yeah, let's talk about Moon Knight. I, I'm In okay this- with not ranking it just because we do not have the information. Yes, I would I would agree with that. So, here's the setup for this Moon Knight series, which I like a lot. Moon Knight here is a businessman. His name is Mr. Knight, and he runs a place called the Midnight Mission. 
where people from his neighborhood he's he's a friendly neighborhood moon knight he is a friendly neighborhood moon knight it i it's interesting that you said businessman though because he's he's a pastor <laughs> yeah i guess that's more accurate like he's he's a, he's doing community service Matt, i don't guess he he's actually taking anyone's money he ain't a businessman he's a business man that's true but i think yeah P- pastor might be more accurate is certainly more accurate because what he does is have people or honestly the, the more accurate even than pastor is rabbi because there's a yeah. there's a discussion in the first issue with his therapist which this series has a twist on comic book therapy which i enjoy but there's a conversation with his therapist about how his dad was a rabbi. Yeah. Which is uh, existing Moon Knight continuity. He has a mission, uh, which is a, a really good uh, like pun there, because it, it is a mission as in like a, a, a missionary. Uh, he has a place where people can come and be like, hey, Mr. Knight, as they call him, I'm having a problem with, say, hey, hey, Spider-Man Mr. Villain. Hey, there's a vampire. There's vampires. Mr. Knight, there are vampires because we live in the Marvel Universe, and that is a that is honestly more of a concern now than it ever has been at any point in Marvel Comics history. Uh-huh. People got vampire problems. Yes, th- this neighborhood in particular, where the Midnight Mission is located, is overrun with vampires. Yeah. Like, unbelievable amounts of vampires in this place. Uh, and interestingly, so so much of this series is Moon Knight versus vampires. But one thing that's really cool is how, in the first issue, Moon Knight encounters this like group of vampires that have been turned into vampires recently, who tell him... Yeah, we didn't want to be vampires. We're not killers. And don't hurt us. So he doesn't. And uh he actually hires one of them, Reese, to be his like receptionist. At the midnight mission. Is receptionist, yes. Yeah, uh it's a bit that I really, really like because it it takes the idea of yeah, you know, Moon Knight obviously first appeared in Werewolf by Night, so he's always had that weird connection to the supernatural. Uh, it is, you know, tied to it. He's a mummy, essentially. I mean, when you get right down to it, Moon Knight's a mummy. Forgetting a can to. Talk about Mark Spector, the mummy. The living mummy. So taking the idea of Khonshu as the protector of people who travel at night and being like, okay, well, what's the natural enemy? Of people who travel at night. Fucking vampires. That's that's when they get you. <laughs> that's true. That's them all over, Matt. That is their whole deal. It's the it's their whole thing. And the kind of, his kind of reasoning where he's like, yeah, these uh, people who got turned into vampires, they are also travelers at night. It is also my duty to protect them. And I thought that was like such a really cool it's such a clear mission statement for the book of like, okay, this is Moon Knight, but this is 
how this Moon Knight's going to work. There's going to be this religious aspect to it, and it's going to be weird. And in true Jed McKay fashion, but I think more in this series than any other of his that I've read so far, we're going to have a bunch of different things going on at once. Because we're going to have vampires. We're going to have somebody from the neighborhood show up and say, I got a vermin problem with the literal Spider-Man villain vermin. There's going to be Hunter's Moon, who is the Conchu's other hand. Yeah, that you know I love that shit. So, Moon Knight is Conchu's right hand, right? Well, Conchu's got to have a left hand. Yeah, buddy. So, Hunter's Moon, who we meet uh, in the first issue, uh, Dr. Batter, who is beating the shit out of 8-Ball when we first meet him. <laughs> yeah, 8-Ball has a rough go of it in this book, honestly. He sure he does. Fighting Sleepwalker. He is Conchu's right hand, and because Moon Knight has rejected Conchu, even though he hasn't rejected Conchu's mission of helping the Travelers of the Night... Hunter's Moon has shown up to be like, hey, why have you abandoned Kanchu? I'm going to bring you back to the fold. Which I think is very cool. Yeah. Because um, for those of you who might have missed it, Kanchu uh, took over the world and fought the Avengers, and Black Panther in, had to put on his anti-Kanchu armor that he has. In, Avenger, in the comic Avengers, that happened. Yeah. And Moon Knight, throughout the series, feels a lot of guilt over that about having fought the Avengers on Khonshu's behalf. Yeah. But in addition to that, there's this mystery villain who's watching Moon Knight from the shadows, like in windows looking through telescopes, watching Moon Knight and, and following his every move, where he seems like a little bit jokery and a little bit riddlery. Like, he's got elements of both, right? Mm-hmm. And we set, get set up with this cast of characters that's around Moon Knight all the time. There's Reese, his receptionist. There's this guy, Terry, who's kind of this, like, very enthusiastic helper. There's Soldier, who lives in the neighborhood, who wants to kind of help out Moon Knight. And... You eventually like get a sense that one of these people close to Moon Knight are going to end up being this villain who we've only seen in the shadows uh, up to a point. And spoiler, it turns out to be Terry. Never trust Terry. Terry. Never trust Never Terry. Trust Terry. Terry. Never trust the eager, redheaded uh, helper guy. He's going to turn on you every time. Name me one good Terry. <laughs> Terry McGinnis. Okay, all right, fair. And the red-headed helper guy, you know, aside from Jimmy Olsen, never never trust it. You, you can always trust Jimmy Olsen. He's Mr. Action. Yeah. Uh, but there's, like, quite a few other villains and heroes who, like, filter through here. There's uh, Tigra who shows up, who we find out is spying on Moon Knight on the Avengers' behalf. 
<laughs> because Moon Knight has been, you know, he fought the Avengers. Because, <laughs> you know, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, she's nice about it. And eventually she's just kind of like, yeah, I was doing it, but like, we're still friends. Yeah. The best part of that scene is when Moon Knight's like, yeah, I know. And she's like, what do you mean you know? And he's like, I mean, I know. You know, it's not like it's it's exactly what I would do if I was the Avengers and had been recently fought by Moon Knight. There's uh, Jigsaw who shows up as part of uh, the big villain plan at one point. Yeah, boy, Jigsaw and uh, Jigsaw 2 also shows up. Yes, two two separate Jigsaws uh, show up here. Which is Jigsaw. Oh, I forgot to mention that Soldier was an ex-member of Hydra. That's pretty important. (laughs) It is, but it is, but it's also not because it doesn't actually like. It's part of a fake out after its reveal. Yeah, yeah, it's part of a fake out because at one point Terry shows up at the Midnight Mission to tell Moon Knight, "Oh, I know who uh, the big bad is. It's it's Soldier." And obviously it's not, because it's Terry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zo- he, he turns out to be Zodiac, the the big bad of the whole thing. Not to be confused and, with the Zodiac organization, of which Nick Fury's uh, evil brother was a part. And not to be confused with the Zodiac killer, who is a senator from Texas. Yeah. But what I really like about this series, and what I really like about the book on the whole... It's how all of these various disparate parts, all these threads come together. And another one of those threads involves Moon Knight's therapist, Dr. Sturman, who does not end up being evil herself, but at one point is replaced by Zodiac to be like an evil version of her. So like Dr. Sturman gets kidnapped and then, for a while, the therapist that Moon Knight is going to see is not his actual therapist. Yeah. And she's actually uh, an existing character, uh, which is yeah. uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Andy Sturman, she was uh, last seen, I believe, in Citizen V and the V Battalion. But uh, goes back quite a ways as a superhero therapist. And I like I like her showing up because we have recently had the discussion about how Every mental health professional in comics is evil, which, yikes, guys. (laughs) Uh, Which, like I said, she's not. Yeah, she's not. She's, like, totally normal and also is, like, having good and interesting conversations with Mark Spector about, like, you you know, he is a character who canonically has – a, a severe mental illness and that he has dissociative identity disorder, but also he's generally a violent weirdo. Yeah. And, and she's having these interesting conversations with him up until the point where she's not Dr. Sturman anymore. She's Zodiac's pawn. I forget what the reveal is of Waxman. who she actually is. Wait, what, what is it? Waxman. The Waxman. Waxman. Yes, she's Wax Fan. That's right. Deep cuts in this. Like, I well, mean, Andy Sturman, for, like, as a start, is a deep cut Marvel reference to begin with. Yes, that's right. It's Wax Fan. It's basically 
not Clayface. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Moon Knight is not Batman, Waxman is not not Clayface. I I actually liked how much this book like leaned away from like Moon Knight is like a Batman guy yeah. and into something completely different. Yeah, it definitely tries to build a whole different status quo for Moon Knight, right? Like Yeah. It tries to give him a mission that's very different from Batman's mission. And even at one point, I think one really interesting story turn in here is how Moon Knight ends up getting Hunter's Moon on his side. Where, like, he explains himself to Hunter's Moon and why he turned his back on Khonshu and why Khonshu, like, he'll continue Khonshu's mission without honoring Khonshu himself. Mm-hmm. And Hunter's Moon has to kind of be like, yeah, okay, I'll work with you. You know what? I understand. We, we got to be on the same side here against Zodiac. And it's only, and the culmination of, like, I think issue 11, when Moon Knight finally has to go like, all right, I got to go back to the old me. Kanchu, help me out. That shit is good, too. That shit is good, yeah. A lot of this book is about, like, self-actualization, right? A lot of it, like, explicitly and implicitly is about kind of being people wanting you to achieve a potential and having different ideas of what that is. Both uh, Hunter's Moon and Zodiac talk about how they want Moon Knight to be what he is supposed to be. Uh, and they just have different ideas of what that is. And there is even an, an issue of this, it, it, you know, it, it is also the case for Reese and uh, Terry and soldier too. Like they're all people who they, they have things that they are supposed to be and things that they are supposed to not be. Right. But at one point, Moon Knight talks a haunted house into self-actualization. It's true. Well, I really like the way all of that comes together because the midnight mission is destroyed at one point. Zodiac blows it up. And then we get the story about Moon Knight confronting this haunted house. It's, it's a haunted house that's disguised as a floor in an office building. Yeah. And yeah. I, I really like that's kind of that issue is kind of like a. It ends up connecting back to everything, but that issue is sort of kind of a self-contained story, right? That issue and the one where uh, Hunter's Moon fights Stangloss Scarlet are both very self-contained pieces of this run. It's number nine where Moon Knight goes to this uh, haunted house, which has a name. The House of Shadows, I, I think it is. It's another deep-cut Marvel thing. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's not an office building. It's the sixth floor of this like apartment building that is alive. It is an alive building or an alive part of a building that Moon Knight eventually discovers just wants a friend. Yeah, he he comes to the conclusion that he's like, I know what a haunted house wants. I know what a house wants. A house wants to have people in it. And so he's like, Come and be my new headquarters, and you will ha- you will have a purpose as a house. And, and so that's 
That's what happens. It becomes the new Midnight Mission. Yeah. The new Midnight Mission becomes an alive haunted house, which is tip top good shit. Cause a fucking mummy lives in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the shit is good. It's good. Issue twelve. When I like issue twelve as like the culmination of everything we've seen up to this point. It's Moon Knight versus Zodiac. It's Moon Knight having to get back to Zodiac via Kanju. So it's about Kanju coming back. It's Moon Knight attacking Zodiac with a bunch of like ghastly Kanju fists that he's able to summon. Yeah, pre- previous Moon's Knight. Um, it it is a culmination for. Uh, Reese as a character where we kind of find out her deal and what she's all about and like how much she hates Zodiac for turning her into what she is now. And by the, and and she's about to kill Zodiac until Moon Knight's like, Nope, I'm going to do it. Yeah. That exchange. I love because he like stops her from killing him and he's like, no, don't kill him. It'll, it'll do something to you and you don't want that. And she goes, Oh, well, well, like, it'll make me as bad as him? And he goes, no, it'll make you as bad as me. And then he goes to fuck that dude up. (laughs) That owns. Okay, but here's why I think it's clear that issue 12 is not the end of the Zodiac story. Because Moon Knight then stops himself from killing Zodiac. And the apprehension of Zodiac is kind of an anticlimax. Because Moon Knight just drops Zodiac to the ground because it's at that point that his consciousness is overtaken by from from being Mark Spector to being Stephen Grant. Yeah. And it is a pivot point for certain in the story where it is now more about Moon Knight's various identities than it is about Zodiac, this big fight with Zodiac. Yeah, and but it also definitely picks up on that thread. Yeah, but also I feel like there's no way that that Zodiac story is going to end on that sort of anticlimax. I mean, you say anticlimax, and there is a level where I agree with you. On another level, he did resurrect the imprisoned god Kanchu and fight an army of bad guys with an army of undead moon knights and uh, cut somebody in half with a chainsaw. Yeah, I'm not calling any of that an anticlimax, but I think having Zodiac, the big bad of the last 12 issues, up in a chokehold, and then just dropping him to the ground, we don't see Zodiac really get his. You know what I mean? It's it's very it, it feels a lot more like feels a lot more like Gruny. You know, where it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got the service society time to hand them over to, to the, the boys in code blue. Yeah. And I don't think, I think this is indicative of Zodiac coming back and there being some kind of big showdown with all of Moon Knight's different identities later in the series. Uh, I, I think you might, Beyond something, if if I if I was a betting man, and you know I'm not because I don't have any money, 
Um, <laughs> and I cannot be allowed in any casinos. I would say that you are correct in that in that guess of where the story's going to go. I do I do feel like these first like no matter where the next like arc goes of this book, I do feel like that story completes the initial arc of the book. Because at the end of that story, like even though I think we're going to see more of him, Zodiac is no longer a threat. The threat is Kanchu. And then the threat is is this vampire uh, who has a pyramid scheme, which an idea that is, to be fair, introduced in number one and is great about how vampirism is a pyramid scheme because they recruit you and then you go to recruit more people. That's a hoot. Yeah, but but like you said, this whole concept is introduced in the first issue, right? We don't necessarily see this guy, Tudor, is his name. Yeah. And we're talking about issue 13 now. We don't necessarily see him in the first issue, but we see the results of his actions from the very beginning of the series, right? Right. Because the vampires are there from the start. Hey, he's fully um, the Nexium guy, right? Oh, 1,000%. Okay, good. I'm glad that I was not the only one who got that vibe from that creep. Yeah. But the vampires have been there from the, you know, second page of issue one, you know? Which is another reason why I think this, you know, Zodiac isn't the only villain of the first 12 issues either. The vampires are a huge part of it, and this is a continuation of the vampire story. I think there are so many threads going through the series at the same time, so many concurrent stories, that, again, I I strongly feel like by the end of this volume of Moon Knight, whenever it comes to a close, we're going to say that was one complete story that whole time. I think you're probably right. And again, if nothing else, I Jed McKay is relatively new to us uh, on the show. Like we've talked before about how I, I think it was death of Dr. Strange was the first thing you or I had read of his. And then we read black hat. We're currently reading the strange series. That's really good. I feel like I've read enough of his stuff now to know like, oh, okay, this is probably going to maintain a consistent level of quality throughout. Uh, like, he does not tend to to really biff it at the finish line, you know? No, if anything, I have found the ends of his stories that we've gotten to the ends of to be the some of the strongest comics. Like, Death of Doctor Strange number five is a victory on many levels. Yeah, it's really good. And I think the last couple issues of Black Cat, or or at the very least the culmination of the uh, Black Fox storyline, is as good as that series gets. Like, with all the double crosses and the, you know, teach student becoming the teacher stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of that is, like, tip-top great stuff. And I have a feeling that we're getting to, or we'll eventually get to, 
that same kind of story stuff in this Moon Knight series as well. Yeah, probably so. So, we are going to complete this comics catch-up without a ranking, because we suspect, we believe, we are relatively sure that this more of this series will continue into a single story. But we'll do another comics catch-up in August. Maybe, maybe send us suggestions for comic series that have already completed uh, so we know what the distinct stories are. Uh, you can do that at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. Get on our Discord, which requires an invitation. So ask us for an invitation in one of the places I just said. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at War Rocket Pod. Also, uh, if you're on our Patreon, you could tell us on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash WarRocketAjax. If you want to find me and my stuff, I'm at mattdwilson.net. It has links to all of my stuff, my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you and your stuff? They can find links to everything that I do and have done at the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to all the stuff I do uh, here and there around the internet. In case it's not clear, read this book. It's really good. It is fantastic. If you were ready to rank it to see if you wanted to to read it, you should read it. It's good. I feel like our discussion, as we've said before, the talking is the show. And I feel like our discussion... You know that. I feel like our discussion should have made it clear that we give this book our our full, complete approval. Um, But if it is still not clear to you, listener... Uh, know that we do, and it is absolutely worth worth a read. Another hit from M- Jed McKay. Put it on the cover. McKay scores big with another one. More like Moon Delight. We'll be back in August with uh, another book that we catch up on. Maybe one we will uh, see fit to rank. Until then, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, and uh, good catching up. Ooh.